What's up, everybody? Hey, I just before we start this episode, I just wanted to let everybody know about my brand new sponsor, Redman Dispensary. Redman Dispensary is located down in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. If you don't know about Redman Dispensary, then you are for sure missing out because they got whatever you need. They got flour, dabs, papers, syrup. They got it all. And um, they also have some amazing deals. So go hit them up. Let them know Russ from Okie Podcast sent you. They also help out with existing patients needing to renew their cards and new patients needing to get a card. So for real, go hit them up. Go like their Redmond Dispensary Facebook page as well. Give them a five-star rating. Go follow their page, like their page. And once again, let them know Russ from Okie Podcast sent you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Okie Podcast. On today's episode, I have two amazing guests. Um, I went to IAIA with one of them and one I'm just now meeting. They are sisters, and they are the brand new owners of Native Threads. And so today I have Rachel and Amy Redhorse. What is going on? Hi. <laughs> How are y'all doing today? Doing all right. Yeah. Tired. <laughs> She's the mom, so she's always tired. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll get good sleep in, what, like, 18 years? <laughs> <laughs> it's not too long. Just kidding. And then, happy birthday, Amy. I know I said that earlier, but let's let the, view, let's let the listeners know it's your, it's your birthday. Thank you, thank you. Hope it was a good one. Yes, definitely. When it's in the 80s and you can go to the beach, not a bad day. <laughs> yeah where y'all at i live in hawaii so we're in oahu okay yeah so amy's out visiting from california yeah yeah it was tough well like i had to look at that message again because amy said i'll be in a uh, hawaii and i'm so stupid when it comes to time zones like i don't look at it i don't like plan for that and i just say okay let's do it at two or three and i forget people live in different time zones you and so you know and you need to be like remember the time zone just remember <laughs> <laughs> and then when i looked it up i was like oh damn like what's the time what's the time in hawaii right now you know, just google it and it was like four hours behind i was like oh i was like damn i was like because if we do it at like i was thinking like one but it'd be like way early that'd be like 8 a.m <laughs> The two-year-old has us up at like 6 30, 7 o'clock in the morning. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, that's always the that's always the thing I forget, like for all these is time zones. And there's one guy from Australia that wants to come on. But damn, that's like nine hours, nine hour difference. So I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that one out. But <laughs> you're gonna be calling a late night. Uh, I know, right? Early morning, yeah. Golly. 
but yeah so for the listeners uh whoever wants to go first uh let us know you know where you're from what growing up was like and uh what happened after high school i know you went to ia amy and rachel i'm not too sure but i'm gonna learn and how this how native fair just became your thing now you're the oldest so you want to go first (laughs) let's see um growing up well we were both raised in born and raised in sacramento california um we are two sisters we do have an older sister that's a half a half sister um but it's mostly been the two of us growing up um we are five and a half years apart so it was a nice little age gap I had Rachel at school with me one year, I think, out of all of them. And she ignored me the entire year. Oh, no. It's great. Come on now. But um, it, was, it was nice because um, we are city natives. Um, so we did have culture brought into us from our family. You know, um, we have, we've affiliated with the Maidus out here. Our uncle dances with them. She's married. He's married to a mighty woman. Um, so we have lots of friends and family from that community. Um, but being in the city is very different, especially in California. A lot of people affiliate natives with being Mexican. So unless you're able to recognize them or anything like that, a lot of like Sacramento area, you don't think, oh, that's a native person. You just think they're Mexican. So um culture out here in the Sacramento area, um, unless you're brought into the community is very hard. So it was nice growing up in Sacramento because we did our, the school district has had a Native American, like American Indian um, program that we would go to. So we were able to not only learn about Natives in California, we were able to learn about Natives in other areas and other regions. And we, like I said, we affiliate with Maidu out here but our tribes are from the the east coast and from the midwest so it was nice to be able to learn about that culture through that kind of stuff too um i went to high school at sac high i started playing sports in high school wrestled managed football team ran track that kind of stuff and when i graduated from high school um i wasn't ready to go to college so i took a few years off i saved up money worked um told mom with me yeah um I would get her like every other weekend when I lived in my own apartment and and hang out with her but I went to IA my senior year in high school and I knew that was the the college for me I just wasn't ready um financially to be able to do that so um to me I, I knew I wanted to go to a small college and it just felt like home I automatically know when I came to look at the college, everybody was welcoming, the, the teachers knew all the kids by names, every, you know, the person that was doing, uh, that was showing us through the school, knew all the kids and new projects they were working on. I thought that was amazing. So uh, I graduated school in 07 and I went to IA in 2011. Um, I am a museum study major and um, I took, I have my business certificate through them. And I also am in the, was in the indigenous liberal studies program, um, which focused on the, on native American history and on the law aspect of things. Um, so that was really amazing to be able to do and to be able to get that education coming from a native perspective, you know, 
my my sister hated it because my math class when she looked at my math book for algebra it was or geometry there were no math problems in it we looked at it through art or um also through like nature and everything so she was like how do you have no math problems i was like i go to an indian you know college that's art so it was pretty cool um, but it was it was a really nice perspective and it made you look at things differently and we had a great sense of community. So after that, um, I moved to Vegas for a few years, then wonderful COVID hit and I moved up to Washington for six months with Rachel, which was really nice because I was able to be around my nephew and spend that time with them. And then now I'm back in Sacramento again and trying to get my life organized and situated. <laughs> Yeah, so. And then Rachel's a little one, so she had a lot of fun growing up. Yeah, it was a little different for me. Um, so like Amy, you know, born and raised in the same place, same house, um, very different people. Mm-hmm. But so like I did the Indian Ed program too. And it was, I think for me, it was a little bit different than it was for Amy because it got shut down before I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. So I only did it all the way through elementary school, which means I didn't get like the same stuff that Amy did. Cause once you got older, you got to do like the basket weaving and like, the bead work and stuff like that. So I didn't get that part of it. I just got the history part, which is fine. Cause I'm the nerdy sister. So I like that. But, um, so I did that. And then um, I went to high school at Burbank high school in Sacramento and I did wrestling and track. And then I continued to do track when I went to college right after I graduated. I went to a private school in Pennsylvania because I really wanted to be a teacher. Um, So I have, in 2016, I graduated with my degree in early childhood education development. And then I taught first grade for a few years. Um, I think one of the really cool things is I actually got to spend two weeks at IA during um, spring semester in 2016. Because after I graduated, I came out and lived with Amy in her dorm room, which was real class act <laughs> but I was, there, I was there during the IA powwow which was absolutely amazing because um Amy had much more of a community than I did in the native world because I didn't go to a native college I went to a white college and so getting to be there and experience that was really cool I made some really good friends like Orion and Effie and Krista and so I loved it. And we actually, for a long time, thought I was going to move out there and get a teaching job out there. But um, Santa Fe is expensive and my student loans were expensive. <laughs> so uh, it didn't work out that way. And I ended up moving to South Carolina. And then I met my husband there and we moved to North Carolina and got married. And then we moved to Washington in 2019 when I was pregnant with my son, which was real fun to drive across the country in your third trimester pregnant. I highly don't recommend that. Yeah. Um, and then in September, we moved to Oahu again in my third trimester pregnancy with my daughter. Again, do not recommend because <laughs> I lived on an air mattress for two weeks after giving birth, which was real fun. Oh, man. Um, but I think one of the really cool things with me is that our grandpa was always a storyteller. So like growing up, we always heard him tell stories about like his escapades <laughs> when he was younger. And 
Amy is a lot more like him because she has her hands and everything. I mean, I get real upset because she's good at anything. And I'm like, oh yeah, Amy, I tried this new thing and it's super fun. Do you want to try it? And then like her first time, she ends up being way better at it than I am. <laughs> to no end. <laughs> and, um, but like our grandpa was that way too. But for me, like I said, I'm kind of like a nerd and I like to research things. So a lot of times I'll be the one that texts Amy or calls her and be like, hey, have you heard what's going on lately? Like, this is what's up. And she'll be like, what are you even talking about? I have no idea. So like, I got that from my grandpa, but she got the always involved in everything, doing everything she possibly can aspect. Um, so it's been really cool for us to kind of come together in the business because we each bring a different element because I'm really good at drawing stick figures. <laughs> but we don't want stick figures on our shirts. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, so Amy kind of is the brains behind like getting the designs made and the artwork. And we kind of work together on what we want to do and how we want to represent things. So it's really fun for me to be the one that like reaches out to people. So most of the times, if you're getting an email response, it's going to be from me. Or if you're sending messages on Instagram or Facebook, about me what 95 percent of the time i'd say that's because i break computers um yeah yeah, and, and, um, <laughs> yeah. as much as i love her, her, her grammar isn't that great so it's a lot better for me to be the one to do that. yeah um so i'm kind of like the forward-facing person for the business i guess and she's more the behind the scenes art person which has been kind of cool for us to each do our own thing it's like the same thing she's the mom i'm the cool auntie I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like she's the business, the brains. I'm the, I'm the cool one that gets to have all the fun. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You guys uh, did your own journeys and you kind of just found yourself doing this, like going into business together with native threads. I got, I got to ask you something about that, but so you both wrestled like real quick before that. Yeah. Actually, I remember Amy. I was when I came out here. I was like, they're starting a girls team at the community college in Sacramento this next year in the spring. And being at IA, we didn't have any sports teams. So stickball for us was our sport. And that was my, like, let me get out there and tackle somebody kind of thing. But I still have all four years of my eligibility for sports. And I was like, I might just go out there and start wrestling again because I referee high school wrestling. But I was like, let me show these girls what it's really about and get back out there and start wrestling again. She actually helped coach my high school team because she was so much older than I was. So, like she'd come out and she'd coach and she'd drive us to like meets and tournaments and stuff. Yeah. So. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember, well, I remember you, uh, I remember Amy telling us you used to wrestle in high school. <clears throat> and then I was like, because weren't you trying to wrestle, like, somebody? You are trying to, like, well, let's wrestle. Like, you were, like... I, I can't remember who that was, was though. <laughs> yeah. That was what was you really smoked funny. smoked them. <laughs> and, and wrestling, it's amazing how well it helps you with stickball, too. Because, like, I was out there ready to go. I would tackle anybody. I didn't care. Like, I even tried tackling, you know, Diedrich. And he's a big guy. I'm like, I'm going to go out there and tackle them. And then I played rugby for a little while while I was in New Mexico. And the girls were like... I remember the second game we played, the girls were like, that's Samoan chick over there? Yeah, nobody's going to tackle her. I was like, I got it. I can do it. And I'm like, what, 120 pounds, five, uh, six? If 120 pounds. Yeah. Well, now I'm like 130. But then I was like 120 pounds. And I'm like, I got this chick. And so after two times of tackling her, they're like, 
oh yeah, don't worry about playing offense anymore. Just tackle everybody. Just do that. But I mean, even when we played, well, we went to OSU to play one year for stickball against them. And it was funny because the girls on their team don't really, they'll, they'll play, but they're not like aggressive like our girls were. And I think it's because they were, we had a couple girls, it was me and Jamie Lynn, and we were out there tackling people. So the girls knew what was up. So, That's also Jamie Yeah. But I mean, even at OSU, the guys, I remember a couple of the guys, like I'd see them get the ball and I'm like running for them. We have all this I'm stamina because the elevation is so low down there compared to in Santa Fe. So I'm running after them and you hear, ah! and I just throw the ball. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Yeah. You played rugby too? Where, where did you, in Santa, in, in Santa Fe? I played for a team down in Albuquerque. Yeah. Oh, okay. I played for the Atomic Sisters. We were down, I used to have to drive down to Albuquerque to practice. And yeah, I played for a season with them. Whoa. <laughs> so, well, is that like, was it considered like semi-pro or like a club or? No, it was just a club team. Just a club team. It club was. Team. Yeah, we practiced with the guys team because we didn't have enough girls for most of the practices. So we'd go out there and practice with the guys team and then we would travel and play games and everything. So, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I'd never try rugby. <clears throat> well, I guess I could have because we played stickball, right? Like stickball was just, yeah. Yeah, I'm not that bad. I don't know. It's fun, but like that I like tackling things. I'm not a cardio person. Rachel loves running, and she'll be like, "You want to go running with me?" Nope, I'm good. What was it? Was it was it when I was in? I was home from college one year, and so like I did track in college, and we always got summer workouts given to us to condition. And so I was like, "Hey, you do my workouts with me this summer?" And like I take her on a run, and she'd be like, oh. <laughs> I, "You can't just stop in the middle of the street, and you got to keep going." She's like, nah, nah, I'm done. <laughs> My view on running is unless I'm tackling something, I do not want to run. And I'm I'm a gator roller. So when I tackle, I tackle. So with rugby, when I went out there, I was thinking it'd be like football, you either play offense or defense. No, it's you play both. So when they saw me tackle, they're like, oh, don't worry about offense, just be out there tackling people. I was like, okay, I can play this sport. Cause I was kind of worried about having to play offense. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, offense is like really strange because you gotta like you, you don't throw it like a football. No, you, like, you throw backwards. You yeah. toss it. Yeah, you throw, oh you throw backwards. Okay. Yeah, you go backwards. You can't go forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's completely mm. different. And like I said, I don't like running, so I could care less about catching a ball and scoring. Okay, so she, she doesn't like running, but she's real fast. Like I would never want to sprint against her because she whooped almost anyone that tried to race her. That's why I think I'm yeah. getting speedy. <laughs> yeah, I remember you being fast. <laughs> it happens. Okay, I remember, like, okay, who did – oh, man. I know you tackled Jamie Lynn. Yeah. When she was running a ball. But you tackled some dude. But I can't remember, like – who that was and everybody was like losing their minds they're like whoa like what the fuck is happening <laughs> but i can't remember who that guy was <laughs> no, but it, it was like a it was like a solid hit though like i mean like we'd all be out there and like just you know just playing and having a good time but i mean this is like a solid like like a solid hit like 
like you went into him like you took him down and we're like oh shit like <laughs> like everybody's like losing their minds and i was i can't remember who that is who that was though they might have been me but um <laughs> i got hollis chitto really good a few times to like whenever i see him uh he still has like a scar on the back of his shoulder from where i tackled him and he like got grass burn or whatever and um Damn. After that, after he got that, he was like, if ever he saw me come after him, he would just get rid of the ball. He's like, nope, you're not touching me. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I remember, man, those are fun times playing stickball. Those yeah. are fun. I used to go after Chad a lot. Chad and I would go after it a lot, you know. There, there were a few people out there that I used to specifically aim for. But, oh, yeah. The bigger ones. I didn't want the little ones because they weren't as fun to tackle. The bigger ones were the fun ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. What a crazy, what a crazy sport. That's where I first, I never knew what stickball was. When Blue introduced me to it, I thought, well, he said, you want to play stickball? So I was thinking of that New York game. Like, oh, yeah. Like the old, the old, yeah, the old baseball game. And I was like, uh, I was like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess. <laughs> and then we went out to the circle and he had those sticks. And he was like, all right, we use these. And I was like, bro, I don't know what you're talking about now. Like, I'm totally lost. <laughs> and, and I mean, it was just like a outlet because everybody was frustrated at times. And, and it was fun, too. It was like a lot of laughs and memories. And, and it was just a new thing for everybody besides him. But, I mean, it was just like. I don't know. And then we would travel to freaking Stillwater. And then, I mean, it was, oh man, it was so crazy. Like nobody understands like how, what like a great time that was. And I think it was after you left, but what was really fun about it is being like older at IA and I worked my, my senior year, um, I worked for the gala. So I did helped with all the fundraising for IA and put together the gala event. And so I got a meet. I was on campus when all the new students came in. So I really pushed up, Hey, you should come out and play stickball with us. You should do that. And we got a lot of kids that, you know, they would like to come out and watch us, but they wouldn't play. So after you left, we got a good group of guys that would come out and girls, but mostly the guys they would come out and they would sing on the, like in the circle for us. So when we're playing, they were out there singing for us and doing, you know, traditional songs from back home and, They'd get their drum out, or we'd even have a couple people bring a flute out and come out and sing for us and, and play music. And it was really fun because, you know, a lot of people when they come to IA have never been away from home before. They've always been on the res. They've always been, you know, with their family and friends. And being away from something like that is a really big change. And a lot of them got really homesick. So to have that connection and to be able to be around that community, it was really helpful to a lot of the kids because I remember a lot of people would just be like, I want to go home. Like I'm ready to go home. And you're like, no, 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 just lot, lot, stick through it and you're going to be fine. And a lot of them would, you know, they'd come out and just listen to the music on the stickball field and, you know, watch us play. And they're like, this makes me feel like I'm at home. This makes me feel okay. So yeah, that was a good thing. Man. Yeah. That's how it was though. Like we were just alone. Like we're all just alone and right. stuff like that really helped. Yeah. Well, that, of... like, that was like what I felt when I went there and I, I stayed with her for two weeks. Like, I mean, I was, obviously I was her little sister, but people were like, 
super welcoming and like I mean I remember going to the breakfast hall with you and they'd be like oh you got the little sister with you let me give you some extra food and like going to powwow like learning how to make like the uh, fry bread the way that they made it in Santa Fe it's, it's different than it's different than the fry bread for us back home my fry bread doesn't work in the elevation <laughs> <laughs> and then like just like just like sitting at Amy's at table while she's trying to get her earrings done for powwow and like seeing everyone just like like oh you're staying up late okay let us post up in front of the tv and like keep you company and we're gonna like shoot the shit and sing some songs and like get the res gummy bears out and like so yeah. it was just it was completely different because I mean the college that I went to was real small it was not as small as I but there were only like 1200 kids there which was smaller than my high school so we knew a lot of people and like my professors knew us and I loved that about my school but going to IA it was even more like that and I think partially that's because we all had like the shared cultural background to an extent but also like when you're away from your family and you've never been away from them before you have to make a new one yeah she yeah. Was the, at the powwow she was the runner for the fry bread because it was so windy at the powwow we couldn't get our our fryer to work in the circle so we had mm-hmm. to make fry bread in the dorms so I'm there making like we're making fry bread, getting that already, and she's having to run out and bring it to the the circle for the powwow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> A day. I was like, good thing you came to visit. We needed your help. <laughs> oh, cool! You came to visit. All right. Her <laughs> to work. She's used to that though. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's cool though. Yeah. Where did you go to college at? What, what was the name of it? Like real tiny school called Waynesburg University. It's like on the border of Ohio and West Virginia and Pennsylvania. It's so like outside of Pittsburgh, but closer to Morgantown, West Virginia, where Dunviet is. Mm-hmm. So like anytime we wanted to go out to like the clubs or the bars or anything, we'd go to Morgantown because West Virginia University was there. And it's way better than like the town that we were in that had one bar, literally one bar and like a gas station and a Walmart. Don't. <laughs> Don't ever go there. Don't ever go to that bar. I went to that bar once and I'm pale. Our, our mother is blonde hair, blue eyes. So I don't look native. Neither of us really did. Right. I don't look native. They've known Rachel for all this time. We were at the bar and we were with her friends from college and they were talking like, oh, what's your name? And I tell them my name. And they're like, oh, so you're Rachel's sister. I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, what's your last name? Red Horse. Oh, so you get money, right? And I'm like, no. And then it's, oh, do you want to like, oh, do you have, do you own a pal? Like, do you own a casino? Can you ever buy your own casino? And I'm like, these people. It was a coal mining town. So I, yes. mean, I say this with the most love. Some real ignorant white people. I mean, like, I remember um, I took, because, I mean, you have to take history as a gen ed, so I took history, and I mean, super white passing, I look almost exactly like my mom, so I look even less Native than Amy does, I think, besides I'm darker than her. I look like my dad, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, I remember sitting in this lecture, and our professor is a white woman, and everyone around me, I mean, there was a real small group of people that weren't white, and we basically all hung out together. We all knew who each other were. And so like I'm sitting in my lecture and there's some people that I know in the class, of course, because we all know everyone. And if you're an athlete at the school, basically everyone knows you. And she looks at me and she's like talking about some like the um, revolting in the South around slavery. And, you know, like the natives were real involved in that because 
the black community and the native community helped each other because we were all treated like shit. And so she looked at me and she goes, so Rachel, can you give us the native perspective on that? And I was like, um, I can give you my perspective on it, but like, you know, there's more than just like one native tribe, right? And she was like, well, but like, you guys, you guys are all so similar. I was like, please never say that again. Please never. Oh ever. my God. So, I mean, like, it was definitely real hard. And then I took like um, an environmental science class and, you know, like, we're taught that like the plants, the animals are our relatives and it's our job to take care of them and to do what's right. And um, like I said, coal mining down. So I was real outspoken about how that wasn't right and it needed to stop. And a lot of pipeliners came out and stayed in the town too. And we were in our environmental science class and it was the lab and we were supposed to be researching like energy sources and like doing debates on what was the best or not. And I was like, you guys don't understand that like, yes, coal mining may give you money, but it's not going to be forever. And it's going to ruin your family's health. And it's going to like ruin the land and everything. And they were like, you damn natives always trying to save the world. It's not, it doesn't even matter. And I was like, <sighs> like my mind is blown. I was like, I have to leave. Like I just walked out. I was like, I can't be in this group right now because I'm going to lose it. And I'm going like, to get in trouble. Like I have to leave the department because I just need to walk out. <laughs> and so like, it, it was just, it was a real different experience. I think that's might be why I enjoyed IA so much. Cause I was like, you don't get people saying stupid stuff like that. But then again, I feel like those people need to be checked on stuff. So maybe it was a good thing that I was there because then they started hearing different stuff and just like, yeah, cool's real good for us. It's a learning. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely learning. You know, there's, there's so many people that don't understand things like that. And it's not because they're ignorant and it's not because they don't care. A lot of them just haven't been around it. And a lot, you know, like, and that's the way they grew up. That's been their family's life for four or five generations. That's what their yeah. dad did and their grandpa did. And so they do it too. Yeah. So, but yeah, it definitely was a very interesting time being out there. And especially, like I said, I'm super pale. So you don't think that, oh, this chick is native. Like if you went out there, they'd be like, who is this? where is this guy from <laughs> like he's definitely native he definitely has money it's like no that's not how it works that's, yeah. that's no well and like when we lived in Washington we actually lived on Nisqually lands my husband and I like not on the res but we were right on the border of it and we um like some of his co-workers there was a work event like when we first moved there and my husband's Chinese and so we make we make a really interesting pair but we were talking there and I kept my maiden name. I didn't change my last name when we got married. He knew that wasn't going to happen. And so we were there and like one of his coworkers like called me Mrs. Spangler. And I was like, mm, no, 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 that, that, that's not my name. And he's like, what do you mean? And so I told him my name and he goes, oh, you're native. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, so like, did you go to school for free? And like, he started saying all this stuff. And I was like, that's not like, that's not how it works. And like, he just kept on like pushing and like saying stuff. And there was another guy with us and he just looked at him and was like, bro, she's getting pissed. You need to like, you need to calm down. He's like, what do you mean? And he goes, you're saying some real stupid stuff to her. And she looks like she's about to snap at you. I'd shut up. I was like, thank you. Because he was like, oh yeah, you know, you got reses. And I was like, did you know that a lot of reses don't even have like plumbing or like safe places to live? And he was like, no, you guys all got money. And I was like, no. And he's like, but you got to school for free. I was like, no, actually, I have student loans. And he's like, 
did you not do something right? I'm like, no, no, that's like not, not the way it works at all. Like, but thank you for letting me tell you that you're wrong. So, and like, I think it's really yeah. because like out there, you got such a like, and that was one of the things I think I enjoyed about being in Washington, even when you were with us, like there's such a prevalent native like feeling there because you got the Puyallup tribe and you have the Nisqualas tribe and you got this um, Swinomish and you've got all of them and they're there and like they're involved and they're still fighting. Like they're in a court case right now for their salmon fishing rights. So, and they started like in Seattle, there's the daybreak school and like a birth workers program out there for the tribes. And so like being there, it felt really nice because there was a community that we could actually like be involved in and start kind of be part of. They just opened that homeless, the housing for all those yeah. homeless natives in Seattle. They just too. built um, an apartment complex that has 80 units for houseless native people in Seattle. So like they're, wow. they're doing a lot and like, um, you see it, you definitely see it in the community. I worked for a nonprofit there, a children's museum, and down the street was the Tacoma Art Museum. And what was really cool was that they had a sculpture outside that was done in cooperation with a Native artist. And that was done to show that like they're working and they have the unity and the community with them. But they had an entire gallery that was reserved for only Native artists. So when we went there, I took you there, and who from IA had a movie playing? Um, I can't think of his name right now. Um, he has stuff up in Meow Wolf too. Um, but yeah, it was it was cool. There's like actually three artists from Santa Fe area that were in the gallery, and then in the the um, gift shop there were native artists that I knew from IA. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like even Aubrey, like she was up in the film and stuff like that. So it was cool because, you know, going out there, you had those connections. Ryan Young's mm -hmm. blanket was in one of the stores that yeah, we went into. because we went to Pike's Place, which is where eighth generation is. Yeah. So we went to that store and we got to see like Ryan Young stuff. And then I also took her to the Chakuli Glass Museum. And who was, whose stuff was in there? I can't remember. It's, I have to. Like, yeah. not horrible names. But 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 like but. I said, so like it was really cool for us to see people that we knew from IA and like to see their work in that area. And it was kind of like, oh, you know, these people, it kind of makes us feel more at home. So I mean that was one of the really cool parts about living out there in Seattle area. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy how small the world is, like especially I mean, Indian country. Uh yeah, yeah, because I don't know, it's just the more you get out there, the more you realize, oh, this person knows this person, or, or you see like somebody's artwork somewhere, and they're like, you're like, oh, I went to IA with him, like, you know, and then like, or seeing like people from IA on TV now, and it's right. like, I went to school, like, it's so crazy, like just how everybody's moving, like it's 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 crazy, like it's cool, right? I had one of those moments recently because like. I scroll through Insta, like when my daughter's napping on me, because what else am I gonna do when I'm trapped under a three month old? And like, I was like watching some stories and I think it was native appropriation story. And like, I saw her post about like the college program that she did. And she posted about like someone that she went to school with and like that was in that program with her. And I went, oh my God, that's, that's our cousin. And I was like, how, like, how do they know each other? So it's just like infinitesimally small. 
Well, I think for us too, it's, it's amazing. Like my, my Rachel was talking about our grandfather and how he had his hands and everything. And it's funny because as we got older, we learned more about him and I didn't realize how much he did. And he used to joke around. He's like, yeah, I've done every job you can think of except for pimping. And I'd be like, really grandpa, really? And so I asked to see his resume one day because I was like, I want to see what you've really done. Like he did hops. He was an iron worker. He did grant writing for grape picking for the vineyard. Yeah. He did so many things. And to me, it's crazy because he was really, really involved with native community. He used to go and travel and play hand games and he used to do all types of stuff. And, uh, he used to, you know, he's really close people with a lot of people in the community, but I would travel out of California. I'd be in other states and people would see my last name and be like, oh, do you know Wayne Redhorse? I'm like, yeah, that's my grandfather. Oh, wow. He did this for our community or he did this for this. And, you know, it's, it's really amazing to see, you know, like it's an older generation of people where we are losing those people, but they still remember my grandfather and they still, you know, to have people come up to you in the community and be like, that's your grandfather, you know, even at IA, like I met a few people, I met people that knew him. And, um, when they did the longest walk, um, and had that out there and, you know, we had people come and walk and my grandfather was big with AIM. Like he knew everybody from there and he did a lot of their legal, legal stuff for them. So, you know, when, uh, when they came out and did that walk and I walked up and my, I told my grandpa, I was like, Hey, you know, you'll never believe he was here. It's one of your friends back from AIM. And he was like, Oh, well, tell him I said, hi. So I go up and I walk up to him. I was like, my grandfather says hi. And he's like, who's your grandfather? It's like Wayne Redhorse. He's like, Oh, I have some really good stories about that, man. Let me tell you right now. And I was like, you know, as Den- Dennis Banks is an amazing person. And I was it was really nice to be able to hear him, you know, say like, your grandfather's an awesome person too. Let me tell you some stories. And we didn't have that connection. So I didn't stay and talk to him because he had other people he wanted to see, but we went out, I was up at um, Standing Rock for the protest and he actually came that weekend that I was out there. And I didn't think he would remember me. You know, he sees so many people all the time. And I walked up to him. I was like, Oh, you know, it's nice to see you. I just wanted to say hello. And he's like, red horse. I said, yes. He's like, I have some stories to tell you. I'm staying at the hotel. Come by. Let me tell you about your grandpa. So, you know, I got to go and listen to all these stories from AIM and like things that they got into. And I didn't know, like, you know, he's, he's running, he's running guns for them. He's doing, not only doing all the legal stuff he told me about, but him and his brother are running guns for them. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, all right, grandpa, you didn't tell me all these stories, you know, and it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. It's a definitely a small world and it's definitely nice because you get to hear stories of, about people that you know, and, you know, it reinforces things or it opens windows and doors to other communications with people. Well, I feel like especially in that generation, because a lot of them were like, we did the work, but we don't talk about the work that we did. So like, you'll only hear the stories about them from the people who knew them back then, because they don't want to tell you about it. So they're like, nah, like keep that buried. <laughs> right. So it's, it's been really fun. And I mean, to this day, like we, like it's really surprising where where we see it then pop up and it's just it's it's really nice especially for us because we lost him last April so I mean it's been almost a year for us now and it's been really cool to like still have those connections with people through him because it kind of helps us remember him right so yeah yeah 
Man, <clears throat> yeah, it's a uh, what was his name? Wayne Redhorse. Wayne Redhorse. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's pretty cool though. Like, um, because you don't. I don't know because my dad always does that too. He's like, I've done this and I've done that, and and he's like eighty two, eighty three, and it's like, it's like, um. Did you really do all like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't want to say that, but, you know, like, you hear different people just randomly tell you, like, oh, well, like, yeah, I knew your dad. And most of the time, it's, like, old, like, war stories. Like, yeah, you got to fight at this bar or something, some shit like that. And it's, like, it's just, like, all these, like, random, like, stories. But, like, he's, I know, like, like, before me, though, like, I don't know, like, what's, I, I'm, it's real, I'm assuming it's real, but I don't know how, like, um, how, what's the, like, to amp up the story, like, to, oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah no. like, I forgot, I, 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 there's a certain word I always forget, I always forget the words I'm using, but, but, like, I remember, like, growing up, though, like, he worked for the BIA, he worked there, he, and then he retired, and then I remember him retiring, and, being like mean because he didn't have anything to do like he's always getting mad at me and stuff and like just felt like i was like annoying him and he was trying to like make stuff and he couldn't make it and then he started working for this uh iowa the iowa tribe and uh perkins he did that for a little bit and then but he's like always he's a type of like just needing to do stuff like he doesn't just sit around and like like he needs to like be up and do something like when he retired i think that's when he he realized like i can't retire like retiring <laughs> was stupid like why did i do that like that was so stupid of me to do that and so like he right now like he still works right now like he would he drives a transit bus right now and he's like yeah like bro's like fucking just out here just working and um i don't know he's staying active like he claims like it helps him to keep going keep going strong because he's like man he's like if i were like just not done anything he's like i'd I don't know what I'd be now. Like probably, probably just be dead. <laughs> That's what he was talking about. Yeah. He's real like truthful too. Like he gets down to the point. Like there's no like bullshitting around him. Like like he'll tell you straight up like how he's feeling. Like just if you don't like you, like he'll say it like to you. I've seen him do that a few times where if he don't like somebody, then he'll tell them like get away from me. <laughs> like it's so crazy. Like it's so right. old school. No yeah yeah sorry my phone's like man i hate this so every time like i do a freaking podcast my phone just decides to go off and it's been going off ever since i hit record and i keep like it keeps like shining in my face and like these fucking notifications is going off and i'm like dude i had all day to talk to people right all day nobody messages me and then like the moment i start this it's like they all just say hey he's starting let's fucking Let's message him. So it's like really annoying. It's like, God. And then I get calls like when other people are on too. And it's like, why? I hid my I don't understand. I, I hid mine in the other room. So I was like, Russell's gonna get upset with me if I answer my phone while we're talking. Yeah. I've had to happen. You can. You can you can answer. I don't care. But it's just like with me, like like I'm trying to be like like I don't want like no distractions for myself. Right. But it's just like when people like God, man, they just like start messaging me on Instagram and Facebook and texting me. It's like, why? 
like you had all day to text me like why is it like every time i start recording mm-hmm. it's like the prime time to do this I so I just really like when you don't want people to message you it's like okay we're gonna do it right now how you do <laughs> it's the universe that's how it goes i guess golly but um so i don't know how long we've been going so let's get into native threads how did this how did this become a thing um so i guess i'll start you kind of started with me i was looking for clothes for my son because i wanted him to wear more native stuff um and i was like okay so you know like there's the natives there's urban native area like let me just like hop on some of the websites that i know that sell native clothes that i've gotten stuff from before and like see what they have for kids and i wasn't super impressed with stuff and then when i hopped on native threads i saw that they were selling and amy had been talking about wanting to like do a business with her artwork because like i'm gonna brag on her she is an amazing artist like unreal when my son was born, she drew a picture with pencil and paper of a picture of us. And it looks like it's a picture. Like, girl's unreal. So um, I was like, you know, she's been saying she, she wants to do a business. So like, let me throw this out at her. Like, they're selling. They want new owners. Because like the website was shut down. That's what it said. I was like, so she's mentioned it. Let me just throw it out at her because it might be cool for her. With no intentions of me getting involved whatsoever. And so I sent it to her. And she's like, oh, that's real cool. Like, let me look at it. Let me think about it. And then you came back, what, like, a, just, like, a couple weeks later, and you're like, hey, you want to do it with me? And I was like, uh, do you know, like, I don't, I don't do any art, like, I don't do any design, what do you mean? Um, and so, like, we talked about it for a while, I talked to my husband, we figured out if it was something that would be good for us, and we thought, like, why not? Like, there's a reason why we stumbled upon it when we did, like, we were both kind of in places of transition, we were ready for something new, I didn't really like the job that I had, um, and I wanted something that would eventually give me more flexibility to be with my kids because my husband travels all the time for work and we move every few years. So we did it. We met with the owner. We talked to him a couple times and we had to figure out how to get the funding for it. Um, so it took us a while to do that, but we did it and then we got the funding. And then it was like hurdle after hurdle to get it through. Like we bought it in December of 2020 ended up not opening for almost a year because we had problems like COVID screwed us. We had problems with the business license. We had problems with like the tax ID number. We had problems with like documentation and like business things. It's like, we had like, every time we were like, okay, we got this in order. Like we're ready to go. Like, "Mm, now you need this. And like, you spent how long trying to talk to the IRS? Oh my gosh. And it's not just trying to get through and being on hold. It is you call the IRS and they're like, we cannot answer your call this time. Please call back again. And then they'll hang up on you. So they couldn't even, they weren't even answering the phone at that point. I'm like, this is for literally a month. I could not even get through to be on wait with the IRS and we needed our tax ID. I'm like, we can't start a business without a tax ID. I think it took us like five or six months to get our tax yeah, ID. Yeah, we needed the tax ID to get the business license. And like, we can't, we can't do anything yeah. without it. It was and so like, it was just, and at one point we were like, man, what did we get into? Why did we even do this? Like, what's going on? And my husband was like, so like, what, what's going on? Like, when are you actually gonna, gonna be doing this? Uh, but I mean, it's been, I think it's been real fun now that like, it's actually going. It's definitely been a learning curve. Cause I mean, like, she has a little bit of background in business from IA. 
I don't really have much. I mean, I'm, I'm a teacher by training and uh, it's good for customer service though, because I'm used to working with like six-year-olds that are unreasonable. So I'm really good at being nice when I don't really want to be. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's been really cool. It's been really fun. And I think one of the uh, big pushing factors for us was that she wanted to be able to do her art. And I wanted to be able to have stuff that my kids could wear that I liked because there's, there's some stuff out there for kids. Like the websites have two or three options. And I was like, I want something more than that. And especially because my kids don't really look super native. I'm picky about what I put them in. Like, I did not think that I'd have a blonde haired baby, but I did. Bleach blonde hair. Bleach blonde. With a Chinese man. <laughs> um, and then my, and then my daughter, I mean, she has dark hair and more olive skin, but I was like, okay, so like, this is what I expected my kids to look like. Where'd the blonde one come from? But so I think that's been really cool. And I think it's also been something for us to kind of just like bring people together. I mean, we've been really specific about wanting to include everyone from the diaspora. So that, I mean, the city natives, the res natives, the reconnecting people, Afro-Indigenous, Latin Indigenous, you know, we want to show everyone because we know that even with native communities there's not always acceptance for like people that are mixed or people that don't present a certain way and we really want to move away from that because we have connections with so many people that represent so many different nations and identities and journeys on their connection and for us like amy said we're city natives and we didn't grow up connected in with like our specific tribal background. We grew up with the California natives. So for us, it's a little bit different too. And we just really wanted to like break down those barriers and represent everyone in Indian country, which has been pretty fun. I mean, and we've got some pretty cool models from IA out of the whole deal. So, yeah. yeah. I think for me, like, she sent me the, the message that the business is for sale. And I looked at it and I was like, nah, it's not my thing. Like, I don't, you know, I always, I'm like my grandfather. I bounce around. I've done so many jobs. So I lived so many places. Like I've never settled down. Like even cars. I've never owned a car for more than two years. I just, I bounce. So with the business, I was like, you know what? It's time for me to settle down. It's time for me to actually do something and build something. And this all happened during COVID. And I was lucky enough. I was actually supposed to move up to Canada. So I'd been saving money. Um, the man that I was dating at the time, we, um, we got approved to build a house on the res, on, his, on family land over, up there. So we've been saving money to buy and build a home out there. Well, when COVID happened, he could go up there. I couldn't. So luckily Rachel was in Washington and I was like, okay, I'll stay out here. And then once the border opens, I'll move up to Canada. Well, six months into it, the border still hadn't opened. So I moved back down to Sacramento. But during that time I was able to watch, like I was able to be around my nephew while he was growing up and doing all that kind of stuff. And my sister was working. She changed from part-time to full-time because they needed that help during COVID because she was helping um, watch kids for emergency responding people. So the program she was working with, they needed that help. And she used to come home and she used to hate it because I'm spending the whole day with Kyle and she'd come home and she'd be in tears. She's like, my son loves you more than me. You make him laugh. I can't make him laugh like that. 
And since we were young, she's always wanted to be a mom. I'm, you know, I could care less if I have kids. If I have them, great. If I don't, I'm fine. But with her, that's like, what do you want to be when you grow up as a mom? So I was like, her working full-time and not having that time with her son is not okay. Like she needs to be able to have that time. So when we looked at the business, I was like, okay, this could be something that we could do together that allows her to be a mom and be home with her kids. So if I can be able to make this business work and make her be, and let her be able to be home with her kids, this would be amazing. So I thought about it for a little while. I called the owner and I talked to him and he's like, you know, his daughters were, his last daughter was getting ready to graduate from college and it was just time for him to get rid of the business. And, um, he just wanted to do something new. And I discussed with him and I was like, you know, this is an amazing business. It's been around since 1990. It's really well known in the native community. Um, it would be a shame to lose it. It's been sitting for at least a year and a half at that point. It'd be a shame to lose it and to lose all those beautiful designs, you know, and the history, all that history, all that knowledge and the, the communication, the, the, the way the community comes together with these clo- this clothing and is able to represent themselves. So he's like, well, let me think about it. You know, I really wanted to go to somebody that, that I feel comfortable with. So we talked a few more times and I talked to my sister. I was like, I really, I think this is a good thing. Like, I don't want this business to be lost. Um, I want her to be able to be a mother. I want to be able to do something because I love to travel. So it, it still gives me the availability to travel. And we started writing a business plan. And honestly, if it wasn't for IA, I would have given up. I literally would have. I had to ask it was so many people for help with our business plan for help with how to do things. You know, Jesse Riker, one of our instructors at IA, like really came through and was like, Hey, send me your business plan. I'll help you look through it. Um, you know, a couple other people, Keith Grosbeck, you know, Diedrich, Lupe, like just, just different people in the community came through and like, we really want this to happen. We're going to, we're going to help. You. And, um, so with that help, we kept on going, we're like, this is going to be what we're going to do. This is how we do it. And me going to IA, like my sister said, I had more community, like I had more connections with the native community. Um, I had connections, you know, with people while I was younger, um, in my community back home. Um, I, I've been able to build that and to grow and to learn and to involve that in my life a lot more than she has. She took a different route than I did. She took a different path and she hasn't been able to feel as connected with the community as I have. And, um, for her, it's one of those things where she's, you know, she's questioning, she's like, look, we are white. We are not dark skin. You know, when we take pictures with our family on my dad's side, everybody's like, who are those people? And I'm like, those are my, that's my family. They're no, they're dark. You're white. That can't be your family. Yes. It's my family. So for her, she's like, can we successfully run a business for native community, for native country and be as pale as we are and be as, and be as city as we are. And you know, how do we make that happen? And I told her, I was like, if we can do it, if we can make it happen, think how many people don't connect and are unable to connect because they don't feel like they're allowed to connect. Think how many people that they'll be like, wait a second, they did it maybe we can come back to our, our 
culture, our identity. Why can't we do that kind of a thing? Or why can't we, you know, figure things out? A lot of people, especially growing up in the city, they're like, I can't claim that I'm native. I can't claim anything. And um, for me being an IA, it was one of those things too, where I walked into IA. I went to high school at a predominantly black high school. So I've always been the white girl. I could care less. I went to IA. I was the white girl. I could, you know, I'm like, I know what I am. It, it is what it is. People will accept me or they won't. And it was really nice because I was the white girl, but I also, it was great because people came up to me and asked me to learn how to be They're, They came to me and asked me to learn how to make, you know, basket or basket ribbon skirts, how to, you know, do quill work, how to all this kind of stuff. And they're like, you're so, you're so white, but you know, these kinds of things. And, you know, it's not that they're like, I don't know. I don't know how you explain it. It's like one of those things where they're like, you, you straddle the line. A little yeah. Bit. You straddle the line, but you're also, you're there and we can learn from you. And that's what we were hoping to do with this business is to be able to make, you know, have people learn to come together. Um, whether it's people from the res or people from the city, you know, come together. You're, you're here to show who you are, to show your identities, to be proud, to represent yourself, to represent your family. Because at the end of the day, it's not the color of your skin. It's not, you know, it's who you grew up with and who you and how you grew up. Right. It's not being native. Is not your skin color? Being native is identifying and being, you know, knowing your identity, knowing your culture and connecting that way. So we were like, you know what, we'll take it on. And if we can do it, we can do it. If we can't, something, something's got to give somewhere. So, um, and I think becoming a parent yeah. made that, becoming a parent made that even more important to me because I mean, like Amy said, we're, we're white for all intents and purposes. Like we get, if you see us on the street, we're white. If you see someone, we're white. And like, the only way time we don't really get treated really white is when we're around people who know us, family and friends that aren't as well. And, you know, I, I knew as a mom that I wanted my kids to feel connected with who they are and where they come from. And like on my husband's side, that's pretty easy for him because he's pretty connected with his Chinese culture and his grandma's still around, who's the one that moved from China and his mom is really involved and he speaks the language and, so it was pretty easy there. And I was like, but I'm going to have to put in the work to make sure that my son feels native and knows that he is native more than we would for his Chinese side. And how, how can I do that? And looking at the business, it was like, you know, this is a really great way to make him proud of who he is and where he comes from and to also have him be connected in. Because if we're doing this, we're going to, the culture is going to be a huge part of our lives and our house, even more than it already is. And that's so important for him to see and to see the pride and to see the success. Cause I think, I think one of the hard things about being a minority is that a lot of times it's the struggle. You see the struggle broadcast so much and so often that the successes are overrun and we want people to see that, you know, there is native excellence. And there's a pride in who we are and how we do things. And as a mom, I want my kid to feel that. And I want him to be proud of who he is, who his people are, and to know that he can do those things to better his people. And this, this was a way for us to do it. I mean, especially if 
we take this where we want to take it to powwow circuit and to gatherings and events my kids can go with us to those and be immersed in the culture that way no matter where we live or where we are and whether we're directly with the community because you know with how often we move some places that we move there is a native community and some places where we move there isn't like when i lived in south carolina there wasn't really a native community where i was when we lived in washington there was and funny enough we found out when we moved to the island that there's actually a native powwow here every year so like depending on where we are we may have a community around us and depending on where we are we may not so by doing this we're always guaranteed to be part of that community and be involved so he can grow up understanding and loving who he is and my daughter too now that she's here <laughs> yeah <clears throat> what's crazy like how how ignorant people can be with just like your skin color and stuff like but i but you know it's it's getting to where that don't matter no more you know there's all these educational spots on social media saying like you know your skin color doesn't define you you know because i know like some natives will even say like oh are you too dark like what's you know it's like well what's what's the fucking perfect like mixture then like what are you talking about like i don't understand that like that's so fucking stupid and then they like go off like the whole like cdib thing they don't understand like how that was like uh like we're the only like people that need to be branded besides like we're animals yeah well and like yeah and i know people i I mean people from i my ex included he's half from a tribe in Canada, half from a tribe in the States. Both your CDIB, you are made to pick what tribe you're from. You can't be from both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a a woman that I went to school with and she resonates with her tribe in the United States. She born and raised with them. But the benefits that you get with the tribes in Canada and being First Nations, are so much more. Not only that, but they have uh, they have a law where they can pass freely between the United States and Canada. So even if you have felonies, even if you have like, anything, you are still allowed to pass through if you're Canadian, if you're First Nations, because the their government wanted to keep that trade open because they should trade down with people with natives in the states. So when she was looking at getting her children registered and herself, she had to really make a really tough choice. And she said, you know, I had to choose what was best for my family. And I had to register with a tribe that I'm not affiliated with. I don't know anything about them really. I didn't grow up with them. I wasn't raised with them, but I was made to, I was forced to choose. And she's like, I needed my children to have health care. I needed them to be provided for. I was a single mother, you know, I needed that. So She's like, at what point is that okay? Because now I feel like I'm using this tribe because I don't affiliate with them, but I'm also losing my tribe because the tribe that I want to claim, I can no longer claim and I can no longer be a part of like that in the way that I was. And for Rachel and I, that's one of the things we're from a state recognized tribe in Virginia. And which is totally different than a federally recognized right. tribe. And going to IA, you probably know we can't claim that we're native 
and sell artwork being native because we're from a state recognized tribe. Only federally recognized tribes can le legally claim that they are native and sell art. State recognized tribes can't do that. We don't get the same, we don't get the same accessibilities to even, resources or anything like that either. Um, like the scholarships that you can apply for if you're native, you can't do that. Legally, even if we say on the, on the census, I claim being native because that's what I am, that's how I grew up. But even that, like if they came back to my house and were like, okay, so you said you're native, where's your card? And we're, we're enough to register with the tribe, with our tribe, but for us, I know me specifically, particularly Rachel's, you know, we've talked about this before. I grew up in California. I grew up around Midas. I grew up, you know, around Pomos. I grew up in, in that perspective. And my grandfather, he spoke Miwok, Pomo, Maidu, Paiu, uh, you know, he, he grew up around that culture too and that identity. And for me, that's an identity that I know. I don't know my identity from the East Coast. I wasn't raised around that. So for me to register with them and ask for that identity, I don't feel comfortable doing that. It feels disingenuous because that. that's not where we're yeah. connected. And we've, we've talked about that. It's like, okay, so we, we know we're from here. We know that's where our people are from. If, if we ever even wanted to entertain the idea of, of claiming that or getting involved with that, we would have to go back there. Mm -hmm. We would have to go back there and meet our family that's still there and really connect in and make it a point to be connected with them. We, we can't, it doesn't feel right to say, oh yeah, this is who we are. This is what's on our card and not actually have that real relationship and real understanding with those people, with our people. And so yeah, it's, it's a tricky situation. And we know that we're not the only people that are like that. I mean, you look up at the 60s scoop in Canada, how many of those people just chose to give up their identity and how many kids were separated from their families. So didn't have, did, weren't registered, but grew up on the res. And you look at people when the Indian act was passed and you couldn't leave the res to be with family. And if you wanted to leave the res, you had to give up your registration and your affiliation. And then you couldn't come back to the res once you did that. So, I mean, how many people that grew up connected have given up that identity, that identifying factor in order to live the lives they wanted to live with who they wanted to live them with and have been punished for that, you know? So we know we're not the only people that are disconnected because of family choices and the way that, and the way the laws are written. And we don't want people to think that just because of that, they can't claim who they are or where they come from. It's even adoptions. Our great grandfather was adopted. His mother died on the Trail of Tears. And so our great grandfather was a, like a, an infant when she passed away. So he was adopted. And to this day, we have been trying and trying and trying to figure out where Red Force came from. Because we know where we know where our, where his wife came from. We know where our grandpa's mom came from. That's where we get the Virginia from. So like, we know who she is. We know who her people are. But since our great grandpa was adopted, how much do we know about him? Right. I mean, his birth certificate says that he was born on Indian territory in Oklahoma, and that's all it says. So it's one of those things where it's like we have this identity, but it's you know how many other people have lost or you know have been taken from their families and put into 
the different, you know, the system, different care by other people and lost that identity or, you know, lost family members and been adopted. And now they don't know their culture or they don't know where they came from because it was a closed adoption or, you know, things like that. And they don't share that kind of information. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely, there's so many different factors to so many different people out here and we're, we're one of them, (laughs) but yeah. Well, I mean, there's like stories of that too, where people, they can't trace back anything to know exactly like where they even come from. And there, that happens. That's here too. Like Cherokee, probably Creek. I mean, it's everywhere too. Like, cause I don't even know, like, I know I'm Pawnee, but I don't know, like, if Sun Eagle is, like, the main person, I guess. Like, I don't know, like, what, like, who who came before us and where we branched off. Right. I don't know, you know, and I keep asking people, but it's like, they don't know either. So, I, I don't know, like, because I don't, because, like, there's chiefs, like, there's certain chiefs from a long time ago, like, like um Rome chief and and I don't know if like I'm related to him or not you know like I don't know if there's like certain chiefs that I was like I don't know if Sunny was like the main chief or whatever because I know like my great great grandpa was a chief I know that but I don't know like who was before him or even before him and so on and so forth so if anybody knows I mean <laughs> and that and that's also like part of it I mean for how long in both like First Nations and you know, people in the United States, was it, you don't put natives with native families, you don't want them to be native anymore. I mean, there's a whole purpose behind the, like, the foster care system, the residential school system is, you wanted them to lose that, and they've successfully done that in a lot of ways, but it's time for that, that chapter to be closed, and it's time for people to figure out who they are, and where they come from, and for us to not shame people for trying to figure that out. I mean, I feel like there's a real difference between people who are just like, oh yeah, you know, the, oh, you're native. My grandma was Indian princess. Like there's a real difference between that and the, these are my people, this is who they come from. And I'm trying to put the pieces together, you know? Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah. Stuff like that, like annoys me. It's like, I don't know, like Cherokees get it pretty hard because everybody seems to claim it or something, but you know, you don't know their story. Like you don't know like where the fuck they're coming from. Like I got a buddy of mine his mom or i think his mom's like cherokee or whatever but he doesn't look cherokee like at all he doesn't look native at all and he he like opened up to me he was like yeah i'm just you know i'd like to dive into culture and stuff but he's like i just i don't know i don't want to get like a pushback and like just made fun of and shit like that and gatekeeping you know like those gatekeepers and it's sad because it happens a lot but you also understand where it comes from because so many of our identity and so many of you know so much has been taken away from letting people in and not being protective so being protective is a way to you know that that barrier that that keeps us safe so it it is hard to break down especially you know our elders they're like no we're not sharing this information we're not doing that because they don't they've already lost a lot and don't want to have to worry about losing a lot and um, I think that was something for our grandfather too. We didn't really get a lot of information from him. That's why I was in high school. Right. When I think the first time I heard him speak, he spoke, like you said, he spoke those languages, but he also spoke Cherokee. And 
the last generation, the last round of grandkids, um, I think she's what, gosh, how old is it? Uh, and Nora just turned 18. So, so I'm going to, I'm 27 and my cousin's like 10 years younger. So there was like a first round and you're kind of part of the first round of grandkids. Mm-hmm. And then after us, there was like a big gap. And then 10 years later, more grandkids. So when our cousin Nora was little, she grew up around my grandfather and he used to babysit her and I was visiting him once and I hear him singing in the other room and I was like what is he singing I go out and I listen to him and after she's put to sleep I was like grandpa what were you singing he's like oh it's just a Cherokee lullaby I didn't know you spoke Cherokee oh yeah I speak a lot of languages and I'm like what but for our grandfather's purpose his father taught him that it's not okay to be native. You're not, you don't want to be native. And even though my grandfather, he was an amazing jeweler, jeweler, he was really involved in the community. Like, like your father, he worked for BIA and traveled a lot and did a lot of grant writing for a lot of the tribes and helped a lot of people. But he was also told that that identity is not supposed to be shared. It's not supposed to be, it's not a good thing. They grew up in the time of segregation. I mean, he was, he was a kid when you couldn't go to the movie theater and you couldn't use the same bathrooms. I mean, it was like when, when he was a kid, you got treated terribly for being needed. So right. why, why would he have wanted to claim that and pass that potentially harmful history onto his kids and grandkids? So his view was um, like, my father is the oldest or our father is the oldest of all of his kids. And there was with my, um, with my grandmother, there were four children that were born. And out of the four, two were pretty traditional. Um, one of them is a dancer. One of them uh, did really amazing jewelry and used to do the powwow circuit with my grandfather. The other two weren't as traditional. My, my father was one. Um, but his view, as I learned as I got older, because I used to ask him, you know, like, can you tell us about our history? Can you tell us what's going on? And he would tell us about my new history and Pomo history and Miwok history. And he would tell us stories about those people. He was raised for a lot of the time by Marie Potts, who's very well known in the community. And she's a basket maker. And um, he actually used to get in trouble because she ran the Native American uh, Museum in Sacramento. And he would get tr- in trouble growing up for parking his bike in front of the museum because it wasn't Indian enough. So he couldn't have his bike parked in front of the museum. But when I would ask him about our culture and everything, he wouldn't really share stuff with us as much. And it wasn't until I was in my late twenties where he was like, you know, I feel really bad. I should have shared more with you when you were younger, but I didn't do it because your parents didn't want that. Mm-hmm. Mom, well, my Mom mother was, my mother was very supportive. She kept us in a lot more than my father, but for him, he was like, if my kids didn't ask to learn, I wasn't going to teach them they had to specifically ask me to learn. And my father was not one that asked to learn. So my father didn't get that culture, didn't get that identity. Which meant that we didn't get it. Right, unlike my own, a couple of my uncles who specifically asked to learn that kind of stuff. And they, but they didn't ask to learn until they were adults as well. So they had to take this journey and search and find that kind of, you know, find themselves with their culture and their identity. But it's really sad to be able to, you know, to, to hold that back because, you don't want them to be, you don't want to put them in a position to be hurt to, by learning that information. That is so important. Important. It hurts you either way. You learn it or you don't learn it. It's going to hurt you regardless in that time frame. you know, in that span. 
because if you don't learn it, you learn, you lose that identity. If you learn it, yes, you have this knowledge and now you are native and have like, you're native regardless, but you have this identity and you're sharing it with the community and it can hurt you because people aren't accepted of it. So either way, which one is the lesser evil? You know, and that's something we've had to learn. You know, there is no right way to learn anything and there's no right way to hold things back from people. If people want to learn or if people want to be a part of it, like share that with them, you know, and it's sad because our community- on them, how they use it right. and how they define themselves. And it's sad that our community feels like they have to hold that back. Um, and I think it's really great right now because a lot of us, a lot of people in our, our generation are learning to accept it and wanting to know. So we're bringing back that revitalization. And I think and it's amazing. And there's so much sharing with each other about our own respective cultures too. Like, um, Amy mentioned Abra earlier and she's someone that Amy met at IA who's quickly become part of our family. I mean, she was out here right after my daughter was born. Um, and I've, I've kind of gotten really into plant medicines and looking at those relatives and how they can help us. And when I was pregnant, she invited me to be part of a medicine making class for pregnancy. So I'm not an Alaska native, she is, but it was for Alaska native people. And she's like, no, 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 you're fine. You can be part of it, you can do it. And so, you know, she sent me all the medicines and the supplies and everything. And I was part of that and the stories and the heritage and learning how to make this medicine that came from the earth and helped me and the baby that I was growing inside of me, even though I wasn't a member of that community, even though I was an outsider, I was brought into that because of the relationship that we built on our own heritage with Abra and connecting through who we are and how we've grown up and how Amy was a friend of her at IA. So it's, it's beautiful to see those doors opening up a little bit more and the more sharing between tribes and between people. And because I mean, that's how it used to be. I mean, how do you think shells got into Santa Fe beadwork? Where'd those shells come from? From another tribe that they traded with. So, I mean, our people used to trade with each other and now we're kind of bringing that back a little bit. And it's really nice to see. And it's really nice to be a part of that movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember Aubrey. Aubrey's really cool. <clears throat> she was always nice to me too. Like, I remember, shout out to her. So that's cool. That's cool. She, um, what, she gave you some herbs and stuff, you said? She yeah. sent you, or she brought them? No, she sent it to us, because she, she's a okay. up there with, with um, Native women. So she's a birth worker in the Native community, and they do, like, education and herbal classes for expecting moms. And so, like, she invited me to be part of that group with some of the moms that she was a doula for. Mm-hmm. See, that's what I liked about um, like just all different tribes, whether they got their own like herbs and teas and like syrups and stuff. Like I remember when I went to I, I had a Hopi tea. I don't know if you had that. Have you had that? I remember. uh, I think it was our friend Drew. He introduced. No, damn, I can't remember who it was, but they had these plants and they picked them, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna make a Hopi tea." Like me, like I don't. When I went to I like I didn't know anything about like my tribe or like these herbs or anything. I was just like a a regular kid, like urban native or whatever. But I did grow like Pawnee's a small town or whatever, but I wasn't like into like native stuff. I just didn't understand it. And I didn't know like the questions to ask about anything. 
And so, like, going to IA, it was like, damn, I forgot who showed us that, but they were like, yeah, this, you can make tea out of this. They showed me how to do it. And I, you know, I took a sip and I was like, wow, this is really good. Can you add sugar? <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't go snooping in my fridge when I was living in the family housing in IA because my roommate, Krista, um, she's uh, Potawatomi and she went down for a ceremony in Kansas back home and she came home and I go in the fridge and I'm like, oh, tea, what kind of tea is it? She's like, don't touch it. And I'm like, okay. So I start putting it back in the fridge. I'm like, why am I not touching this tea? And she's like, well, you can touch it. You can drink it if you want, but do it moderately. And I said, why am I doing this? Mod- what, what did you put in my fridge? Mind you, like, I know she doesn't do drugs or anything like that. So it's not like mushrooms or anything. Like that. She's like, oh, that's peyote tea from ceremony. You probably want to be careful if you're using it. I'm like, so we had peyote tea sitting in our fridge for a while. So it's a good thing you didn't come soup in our fridge and drink our tea. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> yeah, the things you learn while you're there, like I learned how to prepare peyote um, for ceremony while I was out there. Um, we used to do sweats all the time and I've done sweats before in California, but it was really nice to see how other cultures did sweats other tribes did sweats um, because it's different everywhere you know it's, they do different do it differently different places and um I got to learn how to make a lot of the foods that were used in other traditions you know other cultures for sweats um you know we did a lot of like I learned how to make peaky bread I knew I learned how to make um I can't, I can't even think of it um stuff from Lakota, the Lakota people. Uh, but there's there's so many different foods that you're learning how to do. And uh, we, I was stuck. I wasn't stuck. I happily did it. I spent a whole weekend, one week, and we were doing a ceremony and we had the, the church come and do it, the Native American church. And we hosted that for them. And we had a group of like seven or eight of us that were gonna cook that weekend. And it ended up being three of us because five of us started our cycles and you can't cook while you're on your cycle. So three of us were prepping meals for, you know, a two day weekend, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for all these people that were doing the sweats. And it was exhausting, but it was so refreshing at the same time. Like you're around these people, you're around this energy, you're around all this kind of stuff. And it was a beautiful thing to do, to be able to learn that. And you know, I, a lot of things I hadn't made before and I had to learn from people that weekend because they weren't able to make them. So it was, it was a really great experience. And, you know, like you said, bringing that identity, bringing that culture and you're at IA, you have all these different tribes and all this different knowledge that comes in and people are willing to share that and want to share that with people. So it's, it's a great thing to have. And it makes you want to learn more about yourself and your culture so you can share that with those other people that have shared that knowledge with you from their culture. I think one of my favorite things was like when we were in the car one day coming back from dinner when I was with you and Effie was in the car with us and she just like the radio was on she heard off and she just started to sing so I started recording her and like literally just hearing her sing her traditional songs like I just got chills down my spine and I was like this like this is what it's supposed to be like this is what we're supposed to be doing and 
to this day, I still have that recording on my phone. I still listen to it every once in a while. I'm like, I just need some Effie singing. <laughs> but it's just, it was so cool to see that because that's different than the singing that we grew up with. And so just that sharing of cultures and that sharing of ideas and that openness to welcome people in. I mean, I heard Amy talk about going to the feasts at the Pueblos. And <laughs> it's, it's funny stories, but it's also a really beautiful thing to be able to say that we've experienced so many things from different cultures. Yeah, those feast days. They know you're outside or they're going to test you. You got to, you cannot say no. You cannot say no to food. Yeah. They test you. They're going to make you fat. Make you not want yeah. to come back anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, so what do we do? Just eat? And That's you what we can't do? say no. And then, yeah, and I just ate. <laughs> Man, uh-huh. I was, uh, yeah. It was a it was a good time, but a bad time because I was like so full. I was right. just like, because I never heard of feast day. I didn't know what that was, and then I just figured like, because we do like traditional meals, and it's like just one like meal spread across a couple of tables. So that's what I kind of thought it was, right? But you're going to like different places, and you're just eating all this food, and yeah, I mean having good times and stuff. But yeah, it was like a new thing. I was like. Okay, so this is a feast day, and all we do is eat. Just get full. Can't say no because naps, you know it's yeah. disrespectful. And yeah, take yeah. naps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had man. Okay, so I had one horrible sweat experience at IA, and uh, I remember this guy's name. I'm not going to mention him. He was an older gentleman. Uh, if I don't know if you remember him or not, I'll tell you after this, but I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But anyways, it was he got me and two other people, so it was four of us. And he goes, Hey, I'm gonna do a sweat, you know, and I, I like sweats. That's one thing I've done and I enjoyed. So I was like, Cool, like I'll, I'm down. So yeah, we started at 6 a.m. So we got up at like 5 a.m., went to the Hogan. And he set up his own like sweat lodge and it wasn't really set up right. It was, but who am I? Who am I to say I this is right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyways, we get in there and it's kind of weird because it's in the morning. I usually, I do them at night, but once again, I'm like, who am I? Like, you know, I don't know too much about this stuff. Like I'm, I'm here to pray and do whatever I need to, you know, and sweat it out. We go in, put some rocks in closes everything this dude throws an entire bundle of fucking sage into the pit and i'm like you know i'm a kid too like right like i'm growing up still like but i don't know like if this is like right or this is wrong or like if this is his culture or whatever throws it in there starts like singing doesn't throw any water on to put out yeah so we're in there like just getting smoked out and that's the first round this dude does that for four rounds like oh my goodness like sings for like 10 minutes and then starts putting water on it and i'm like looking at it now like dude could have killed us luckily though i reached behind my back and i was opening up the fucking slit I but whenever I do sweats, I always sit in the back because you have that little gap, and that's exactly yes. I'm like I I don't like not being able to breathe, so it's yeah. Every once in a while, you're just like, oh gosh, please help me. Yeah, no, no. Well, I was I usually breathe through my towel like when it's ran right, but that was filled with smoke, not steam. Like, 
Like he was like legit, like smoking us out. And oh my god, like I'll never forget that experience. And and what made me remind me, what reminded me of that? Have you guys seen Clear Cut? That movie with Graham Greene? No. It's an older movie. It's it's considered like a horror movie, but anyways, you have to watch it. But there's a scene where he throws these two guys in a sweat lodge and he does the same thing. Like he throws a bundle of sage and cedar onto the pit and it's just like smoking everybody out and they're like coughing and gagging and they're like, you're going to kill us. And uh, it brought me back to that. And I was like, wow, dude, dude could have really like killed us in the morning. And I don't know if he ever threw another one on, but I never, I never like messed with him again. I was like, that was too crazy. That was too intense. That was too real. Like I'm not, I'm not a part of your schemes or whatever. (laughs) I'm scared to do sweats. Like, I mean, I've done them in the past. Um, and when I do them back, when I've done them back home, I know I'm safe, but being at IA, there's only a group of people that I would do sweats with. Um, just because when they invite outsiders, a lot of people don't know the rules, which is good. Cause you get to learn as you go and it's definitely okay to do. But for me, um, one of the, I know one of the sweats that I almost did, there was a woman that was on her cycle and was about to do a sweat with us. And that's a big, no, no. You, you can make people really sick doing that. And people are like, oh no, it's not true. No, I have watched people get really sick doing that. And one of the, one of our leaders for sweat, his wife actually died um, because of that. Like she got really, really sick and she didn't make it through and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. Later on, they found out she, um, there was somebody in our sweat that was on their cycle and his wife was the only other woman there. So for me, I like being safe. I like knowing the people that I'm doing with, I like knowing that they know what they're doing. Um, so I was always supportive of the sweats and I, for me, I didn't want to not help with them. So I would a lot of the times do the cooking or help out with that kind of stuff or, you know, do the refreshments at the end. Um, but I didn't feel comfortable if I didn't know the people I was sweating with because I didn't want to get, you know, bad medicine and I didn't want to get sick. And I just, that's just me. And I know a lot of people are like that too. Um, but it was a great thing. It was a great opportunity to see people that never had been sweating and that would go out there and do that kind of stuff. And it was really nice because they were really, the people that ran the sweats at IA really let you know, like, this is how we do it. This is what we do. Um, this is why we do this. And you're always going to have those people who are like, I don't believe in this. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. And that's what I was afraid of. Um, but I don't think we had really any problems. I remember hearing about that incident. I do remember hearing stories about that. And he actually did a couple after that, but it wasn't affiliated with like yeah. IA, our sweat community. It was affiliated with him and what he was doing. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember that guy. Oh. <laughs> I remember that guy, yes. Oh my God, well. <clears throat> Oh my god. Yeah, well, damn it. Was is that why he built his own thing then? I don't know. He he did a lot of fun things out there. A lot of fun things Don't tell I, me. I, I have no I don't know the reason to the rhyme at all. So uh, yeah. 
Well, oh man, I knew. Oh man, I knew. I knew something was up when he had his own little sweat lodge, and oh, I should have just. I should have listened to tuition because I thought it was going to be at the one I built, but well, it was like a totally said, different new it, one. Yeah, like and like you said, you were new to that kind of stuff. So it's when you have something, you're expecting them to know what to do and to know that kind of thing. And if they're running a sweat, you expect that to be done correctly. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I got in a motorcycle accident. The first time I ever got on a motorcycle, I got in a motorcycle accident. I went out on a motorcycle and something told me not to do it. And I went with a friend. Something told me not to do it. And I got pressured into it. And it was like nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. I got, we went onto this curve and I'm like, this guy is not going to make this curve, this turn. It's not going to happen. And, but I'm expecting him, this guy, it's his bike. He's supposed to keep me safe. He's keeping himself safe. I wouldn't put myself in harm. So he's not going to put me in harm. And I see the turn happening and I'm like, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. Next thing you know, we're going over the curve. There's a planter box. There's another, you know, curb. And I saw it coming. So I tucked and rolled. And as I'm rolling, I look up and the bike goes over me. This guy had to get facial reconstructive surgery. He was in a coma for multiple days. He had problems like surgery on his legs, all that kind of stuff. I luckily just got scraped up a little bit. Um, Getting that phone call was absolutely terrifying. Come to find out he was drinking before we got on the bike. He was intoxicated. But I'm expecting this guy to be protecting me and to know what right from wrong. You can never tell what's going on with somebody else. And you have to keep yourself safe. And like I said, I, I, I love doing sweats and I wouldn't mind doing a sweat. And I do do sweats with certain people that I feel comfortable with. But for me, I know I want to keep myself safe. And I've seen what happens if you don't do a sweat right. So I try and stay away from sweats where I don't know who I'm going with. <laughs> Just like I don't get on a motorcycle anymore with somebody I don't know. I actually don't get on a motorcycle with anybody, anybody at all. I will drive my own motorcycle and do it myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, God. That's scary. Yeah. Especially just drinking. Not even telling you. Not even saying right. anything. And it's early in the morning, so you're not even thinking that the people are drinking. Yeah. We got the phone call from Amy, and she was, like, crying. She was like, I just got in a really bad motorcycle accident. And she like, told us what happened to the other guy, and I was like, holy shit, what's happening on what's wrong with my sister? And like, come to find out she like got cut on her finger all the way down to the bone. And she ran out of the hospital because she didn't want them to give her a shot. And she's like, no, I'm fine. I just let it go. It was also the first day of football season and you know me with football. So it was first day for NFL and I didn't want to miss the games. So I tried not going to the hospital. And then I got, my friend drove my car there and abandoned me there. She said, if we didn't, She's like, if you don't get seen by the time football starts, we'll leave. No, she left me there so I could get seen. But it was a good thing, though, because you could see down to the I mean, bone on bad. both of these fingers. You could see down to the bone. So oh. I, I mean, like, luck- luckily it wasn't as bad as the driver, but still, like, getting that phone call on a Sunday morning was not a fun time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, glad you're all right. Yes, yes. That was it. Just to cut to it. your bones. That was it. That was all. <laughs> Never <again. laughs> <laughs> well okay I see she's an Asian husband <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really good <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm, 
Well, for the, uh, I guess the ending, is there any big plans coming along or just keep it secret or anything you could tell got, about Native Threads? we got a couple drops. Do you want to talk about them or do you want me to or you um, do want to do the other? You can talk about them, but uh, I will also mention we have gotten some feedback from some customers um, that our prices are you know, are not fit for people that are on the res that cannot afford our clothing. Um, we specifically chose to do our clothing to be more environmentally friendly. So we've chosen like recycled materials and organic materials, which hmm. was important to us as people who are supposed to be taking care of the earth. Um, but we have taken that into consideration. When we did buy the business, we also bought a lot of the merch well we bought all the rest of the merchandise that was printed um before the previous owner randy shut things down so we have been trying to figure out what to do with that merchandise since we bought the business and we are planning to do uh, some things on our social media where if you're following us on social media you can actually get shirts for a discounted price because they are previous um, shirt. Yeah. For anyone who knows the world of Instagram uh, native beading drops, it'll be very much done in that style. Yeah. So um, if you've ever set in a timer for a beaded earring drop and missed out, you know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna, we, we do have merch that um, is not uh, made from, you know, recycled clothing and stuff like that. Um, but we do have it and we don't want it just sitting in a box in my closets um, and taking up space. So we figured out, we figured the best way to do that is to let people be able to purchase the merchandise for um, a less expensive price. And so we can get, you know, out in the community as well and be able to let people uh, buy stuff. That, that wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. That wouldn't be able to do that otherwise. Yeah. Um, and we're going to also try and figure out how to keep that going. Um, but yeah, we thought that'd be pretty cool because like I said, we have that merchandise and I don't want and to there's, it. And there's designs that we don't have released yet in that merch and some items that we haven't really brought back yet too. So um, more than just shirts. Yeah. Wink, so. wink, nod, nod. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. And Rachel can tell you, I'm going to go, I'm going to be right back, but Rachel can tell you about our, our drops. Yeah. Um, so we've got a drop coming um, that we're going to start working on because we're only together about four times a year now that I'm out here. We do quarterly business meetings out here. Um, we're starting to work on a drop for April that's really focused on the earth. So, you know, Earth Day is in April. So we figured we'd do a lot of our designs that are kind of involved about like Mother Earth and Turtle Island and things. So we're going to release one in April and then um, some previous designs and some new designs. And then our first all brand new design drop is going to be in June. It's going to be centered around Children's Day. So it's going to be a drop for the little ones. And it's going to be all about animals and different tribal styles. So we're going to try and like bring in the animals that are important to like the plains and the eastern woodland and the coastal and um, the Arctic and southwestern people and give the kitties some love because we think kids need to wear cute native clothes too. Sure. Very true. Cool. So 
if there are any particular animals you want to see done in any certain style, please let us know. Our DMs and our emails are open. Yeah, let everybody know how to contact you and follow you and yeah, everywhere. So we've got Instagram. It's at Native Threads. We've got Twitter. We've also got Facebook at Native Threads Apparel. And um, there are two. So there are two different Facebook accounts. One is the old business one that we got locked out of when we try and change permissions over from the previous owners. We had to make a new one, um, but it is linked to our Instagram. So we are slowly transitioning to the new one. And then the email that's easiest to reach us at is at info at nativethreads.com. Um, we try and make posts pretty often. You can also check out our website and subscribe to emails that way. And that'll give you the latest information besides checking out us out on social. And our blogs. And yes, our blogs, which I enjoy writing very much. Um, and then of course, you know, if they want to check us out, I know you've linked us in some of your posts. So if it's people that are already following you, that'd probably be a pretty easy way to find us through the posts that you've modeled or merch in. Yeah. You know, deadly uncle, yeah. And uh, (laughs) yeah, you know, deadly uncle, Charmin's good photography. Definitely. Yeah. So (laughs) kind of a little bit coming up in the future. But and we've also gotten some inquiries on the like bringing back socks and hats and things like that. And if there are particular designs that you loved from when Native Threads was in business before or particular items that you would really like to see us bring back, please let us know because we want to bring back what people loved before. Because we didn't just take Native Threads over and turn it into something completely new. We wanted to keep the heritage that came with it too. I'm really excited to release our Stephen Paul Judd designs. Oh yeah. We got a few of those. Everybody loves some SPJ. Yep, they specifically did four native threads. So yeah, we're pretty excited to get those out. Um, yeah. yeah. Dang, heck yeah. And then the one that just dropped, the Native Legends. Yes. Yep, right there. Yes. Yes. Amy, you created that? You you made no, that? No, it's one of our previous. So our goal. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's one of the original uh, Native Threads designs. Our goal is we have like a hundred. Yeah, we have a lot of previous designs, and we know uh, people that have followed Native Threads in the past um, really look forward to having those designs. So our goal is. Where when we do a drop, most of our drops consist of our old designs and we're only doing one of our creations. Yeah, one or two. Yeah, so we're not trying to overwhelm with our designs and everything. We want to bring back native threads as it was for the most part. Um, so when we're launching our drops and everything like that, we'll only put in one or two of our designs. The rest of them are all previous Pretty native threads. Mm-hmm. And our... Our end goal with that is to come up with a core like 15 to 20 designs that are always available for purchase based on like which ones we find out are the most popular and which ones people like the most. And so keep those as our core base and then have our drops come out and be available for like a two to three week time frame. And then those designs get retired until the next time we bring them back. Just so that we don't have like hundreds of designs sitting on our website all the time because that's overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that how <clears throat> overwhelming it will be. So that's cool, though. I can't wait for you said April, the next one. 
Yeah, so the next one's going to be in April. It's going to be around Earth Day. Okay. And the best place to find out information for that is the most the place that we're the most active is probably Instagram and Facebook. Um, okay. And I'm try, I try to be on there all the time. I will admit my office hours are a little bit more regular than they used to be just because um, of adjusting to a move and like with a new baby. But I try to check my email every day, at least a couple times a day. And if I see that an Instagram message comes through, I will try and answer really quickly or a Facebook comment. So don't, don't hesitate to reach out. We feel like we're pretty open and communicative people. So plus, like I said, I break computers. So I'm still trying to figure out the whole reels and stories and all that kind of stuff. She basically handles the stories. I'm working on learning how to do reels. So that's going to be exciting because I'm going to be dabbling in that and trying to get as many reels out as I can to keep your guys's interests. I think one of the really cool things about me being the one who's like checking the emails and responding to those the most has been like, we've gotten several like emails from people that I've been longtime customers and I'm like, oh my gosh, like we love this shirt so much. It's got holes in the prints fading. Like this shirt means so much to us. And just like hearing those stories of like what the brand has meant to those people over the decades since it's been open, what, 30, over 30 years. So like hearing from the customers that have loved the brand and are so excited to have it back has been really fun. And also like hearing the stories about like the buying gifts for people and where like the shirts have been has been really cool. I was actually out with my kids. Um, we were celebrating Chinese New Year at one of the festivals out here and we're walking to go back to the car and some guy passed me and he's wearing a native thread shirt. And I was like, hold up, wait a second. And I stopped him and I was like, oh my gosh, I love your shirt. And he's like, oh, thanks. It's a cool brand. And I was like, actually my sister and I just bought that brand and we own it now. And he's like, oh my gosh, no way. That's so cool. And so it was like a, 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 a surreal moment seeing our clothes out in the wild for the first time on someone besides us in hawaii yeah, yeah. in hawaii yeah no it's and it's it's nice like she said she gets all these stories and she'll send me like screenshots and emails and everything and she's like look at this and we really appreciate it because we have gotten so much feedback from people you know even with even the negative stuff that we've gotten you know it makes us be like okay how can how, we adjust how can we just can we how can we make it work because we want this to be a brand that people want to come back to not just like meh Right. And um, the, the, the positive feedback that we've got, we're just like, there's a couple where we're just like, oh my gosh, we're in tears. Like, this is amazing. You know, yeah. the stories that people share with us is it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's hella dope. Yeah. Well, thanks for, I guess, rebooting native threads. <laughs> yeah. That's the correct word. Yeah. So yeah. And then just kind of, letting everybody know you know the story about <clears throat> the story about it and what you got going on and how it became how it came to be once again because i remember native threads was popping and then i just remember it just kind of not doing it disappeared. Like yeah, I, it, yeah. it disappeared it vanished and then i just never i forgot about it and then when Charmin said oh amy and her sister got native threads like i didn't understand i was like wait hold on what and she was like they own it. And I was like, native thread. Like it took me a minute to remember what native threads was because and I think I remember crazy. it back in like 2010 or 11. Right. Yeah. And it's crazy because I literally had that conversation with Charmin almost exactly a year ago to this date. Like, I think I talked to her maybe two or three days before this. Cause I was in Santa Fe for my birthday and I was messaging her and we were talking about it and we hadn't started yet because we were dealing with all these struggles and you know, all the, stuff. yeah, all the legal sides of everything, 
but it was literally a year ago that I had told her that. So mm-hmm. yeah, full circle, man. Yeah, I know it's, it's crazy. It's also kind of humbling me to own a business that's older than I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't know they were long. I I didn't know they were around that long in the 90, yeah, 90, 90 or what? And it started in California too. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so it's really funny because the the not Randy wasn't the original owner. There, there was another owner that he bought it from. So like they worked together and he got it from the that owner. But Randy's part of the Sueño band in Southern California, and our aunt is part of that band. So like it was a really funny connection for us to know that like they were from the same band and they know each and other. they know each other. Yeah. Damn. See full circle. Right. Yep. Yeah. Comes back around. Everything is connected somehow. Yeah. It's dope though. Yeah. Well, congratulations on finally getting it going. Um, can't wait to see what Native Threads has to offer, especially from you two. Yeah. Great, great, great business it. minds. Yeah. Yeah. And then um yeah. so and think, do what you look good in our shirts, so <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I well, like I remember Amy was talking about it, and I was like wondering when it, when I was gonna get it, and and it just came in the mail like out of nowhere, and then you were <laughs> like, "Yeah, if you can get it to us like within the week," and I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> I was like, I was like, "Well, like you're the everybody else is running on in the meantime. You did it the fastest." Yeah. <laughs> That's why I say well, see, like, like week because I know it'll be like a month from now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, like that week though, too, it was snowing. Like you've seen it in the pictures, mm-hmm. and it snowed like from Wednesday to like Friday, and you needed it by Friday, I think. And I was like, oh. I was like, man, like we might as well do it now on a Wednesday, where it's just now starting to snow and get bad because I'm not getting out like Thursday <laughs> or Friday. <laughs> and so, yeah, like we just had to hurry up and do it. And I remember, like, we got downtown and Broken Arrow and. It was cold, like poor Charmin's like little hands were just freezing. Oh, no. Like trying to take those pictures. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, oh God, just we'll take like whatever we can get. We'll get like 20 pictures. We'll try. And then I'll just I'll mess with them and then I'll send them off. And I was like, we'll do what we can. We'll make it work. I luckily said, we had about four that were good. <laughs> I should have said hand warmers of the package. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but it was all good. Well, we don't even know like how this weather's gonna be. This weather's so crazy here. Like it's hot one day, and then this week it just started snowing. So it's like the below freezing. You know, we got couches if you want to escape the cold. Yeah, it's always warm here. Yeah, we'll have to make it down there sometimes. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, yeah, we'll come through. We'll have to come through, but. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for making time to come on and talk about your lives and Native Threads and just getting, letting everybody get to know you, the new owners of Native Threads. And so everybody go follow them, keep up with them, subscribe to their website, um, follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and just keep up with them. Keep up with all the jobs they have. And um, if you want to follow me, go ahead on Instagram at Okie Podcasts, Rustamus49. Um, Facebook is Russell Sun Eagle, my personal, and then I have a Facebook Okie podcast page as well. And so 
And if you haven't yet, go subscribe to OK Podcast everywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. I would say Google it and it'll pop up. Check out the website as well, www.okpodcast.com. And so, yeah, yeah thanks for coming on. Get a pick. <laughs> We're getting a pick. But, uh, yeah, but thank you for coming on. Um, and until next time, everybody, peace.